Tuesday afternoon. I'm Cruz McCalligan and I'm very excited to be joined on the line by um, Andrew Dembina for our usual Tuesday feature. Andy. Hello there. Hi Cruz, how are you? I'm very well. How are you doing? I hope you're not outside. It's um, 33 degrees and 60% humidity. It's not compatible with with human Mm. comfort. No, it's a, it's, a, it's a difficult one. I have a large dog and uh, and he needs a lot of exercise. And working from home most of the time these days, I'm out in the thick of that stuff. Uh, but, you know, all good exercise, I suppose. Yeah, it's, t- um, take it. Get your steps up. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. It's, it's bad news, though, again, for Hong Kong restaurants and bars, as we've been hearing for the last couple of days. Um, yeah. The, uh, yeah, the, I mean, so unlucky because the announcement two weeks ago was that the number of diners and drinkers went up from a 50% capacity to 80%. Uh, but, uh, but many of us will have heard they're back to an official maximum of four at uh, restaurant tables and bars are to close again as of last night. So yeah, that's, uh, it is. Yeah. It's, it's, and I, I have to say, um, hats off to the restaurant and catering industry over the last few months. I've been amazed by the kind of innovation that people have put into trying to keep their patrons safe, keep their businesses going. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it's it's been an incredible, a very, very difficult time. But I've just been in awe of a lot of these it, industry people. Yeah, I, I, I agree. There have been extra costs, of course, incurred because they wanted to stay in business and putting in mm. barriers and so on. And uh, mm. To, yeah, kit out their staff with more masks and uh, and gloves and all the all the rest of it. Uh, so yeah, I, I I really agree with you, and I'm sure that all of us hope that it gets back to normal soon. Um, in fact, just as of this lunchtime earlier an hour or so ago, there was an announcement from the health secretary uh, saying that uh, um, the regulations that were put in last night, which only allows restaurants to have dining uh, until 6 p.m. Um, could change again at the moment. As of last night, um, takeaway orders only are allowed during the evening, and there can, there can be regulated distancing for for uh, more to lunchtime dining. But um, there's there's some thought announced by uh, Sophia Chan, her secretary, that uh, the government may be asking restaurants to stop dining services altogether if there are too many more cases diagnosed. So fingers crossed that doesn't happen. But you know we'll understand. Um, that, uh, that, that, that they have to implement it if it uh, if figures rise continue rising as they have. Yeah, which I think is just a good reason for a foodie city like ours that if we want our restaurants back up and running and access to them, everyone double down your efforts to socially distance, wash your hands, wear your mask, do your bit, so we Absolutely. can we can feast once again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean, really, don't want to go off topic too much, but very briefly, it was interesting last night that it was mentioned that it would become basically. Uh, uh, you know, become law to wear masks on public transport. Well, I mean, there, there might have been a slight slackening off a couple of weeks ago, but I think Hong Kong generally um, is very good at people doing that. But I suppose better to make it mandated than uh, than have a few people not wearing them. Yeah, I think maybe it's for the few people who are not wearing it. The um, death yeah. stares from the rest of us haven't been getting through, so we might as well yeah. we yeah. might as well mandate it. Hey, I guess. Um, but I guess. that's uh, but that's not what you're talking to us about today. You've got some. You sent me no, a disgusting no. picture I mean, of what looked I- like ketchup ice cream. Well, yes, that's it. I mean, uh, it, it's you know, the, uh, amid amid all of these regulations worldwide, I'm not going to go into that today. It's um, it's looking at some slightly more uplifting stories, and what on earth um, could be more uplifting, um, uplifting of uh, or maybe of one's 
stomach contents, uh, but, but it's, uh, <laughs> it, but it, but it's um, it, it, Heinz, this is in the UK, the Heinz UK division has introduced a range called Creams, which is uh, the word cream, of course, with a Z at the end of it. Sure. That would be a very yep. 21st century uh, way to get it onto social media. Um, there's, uh, there's, you know, it, I don't know if this has been born out of a lot of the creative types at the, uh, uh, at the condiment brand having cabin fever uh, during, you know, during quarantine in the UK and just coming up with a madcap idea as the, uh, as the weather gets uh, hotter and hotter during the UK summer. But um, it's, it's going to be sold in kit form. Creams is sold in kit form that allows you to make ice cream with various condiments. Either uh, I'll be asking you to select your favourite uh, one of these that you can't wait to try when you get on a plane to the UK, Chris. <laughs> Ketchup, <laughs> mayonnaise, salad cream, and barbecue sauce. Oh Any my of those. Gosh. So each kit has a recipe card, if you can call it a recipe, um, a, uh, hmm. a reusable ice cream tub that comes in, in vanilla ice cream uh, flavour, and, uh, and an engraved spoon. Um, also, there's a, uh, a ice cream scoop, and uh, needless to say, the condiment, the flavour that you're trying to recreate through this so-called recipe. Um, so, uh, what? I mean, it's, it, the picture that I that I sent to Cruzan for the listener is trying to make the concept of these few sources that I mentioned into something that looks fairly palatable by putting. Uh, some sliced uh, strawberries on the top of one of them, some crushed nuts, or or maybe a raspberry uh, syrup. Oh, no, sorry, that's, uh, that's actually tomato sauce. Gosh. <laughs> uh, drizzled over the top of it. So here's a question, Cruz. What counts as weird ice cream flavours anymore? You know, people have, uh, this is out there in the supermarkets in the UK, and um, I, I mean, I'm, I'm wondering what the uptake is going to be. It's only been launched this week, but... But, uh, I mean, if you could make uh, a, an ice cream made of any sort of condiment, what would it be for you? Any sauce of condiment? Well, yeah. I have to say, um, I once tried basil ice cream, which I basil. guess it doesn't really count basil, as in the herb yeah. basil, and that was yeah, delight. But- that was like yeah. a, a legitimately I delicious. Nice. And I and I I'm I'm partial to a bit of pistachio ice cream myself, which one would say yeah. is quite a, a sa- I guess a savory, savory. thing. Yeah. But if I'm if I'm looking at these um, images of these mayonnaise, ketchup, and barbecue flavored oh. ice creams, yeah. um, I'm I'm quite a. I'm quite a robust colour of green at the moment. <laughs> yeah, it makes yeah. me think about when yeah. you've got your ketchup or your mayonnaise stuck at the back of the fridge, and by the time you realise it's there, it's kind of iced over. Is it the same concept? <laughs> maybe. Um, maybe that's a that, maybe that's a DIY yeah. version of people who can't get to the supermarkets or different parts of the world. <laughs> Gosh, but I mean, um, but I mean, I don't know. I mean, I suppose well, they. I mean, let's be honest. A lot of these things have enough sugar in them that they could be constituted con- considered to be a dessert, right? Yeah, definitely. All, all, all of those, a lot of sauces do. Certainly tomato ketchup and the barbecue sauce. Probably all of the, the rest that I mentioned, mayonnaise and salad cream too. Um, I mean, yeah, as you say, uh, uh, basil, I've tried wasabi ice cream Ooh. before. I don't know if you, have you tried that? No, I haven't. I, it, yeah, I went to a couple of different Japanese restaurants and it was uh, uh, over, over the years in Hong Kong. And alongside the black sesame um, or green tea. They also had wasabi as an option. I haven't seen it for years. <laughs> I don't think it lasted long. It was a bit, 
It was a bit weird. Doesn't um, it kind of it, cancel itself out? Because I would say, like, when you eat spicy things, you want yeah. a bit of ice. Like, you can trick yourself into being like, I can treat myself to a bit of vanilla ice cream because my mouth's on fire from all the horseradish, yeah. right? It kind Actually, of seems like it, you're kind of skipping a step. Exactly. In a way, it was like those chewing gums that are kind of, you know, the ice menthol chewing gums. I don't know if you've tried those. Oh, which yeah, are, sure. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's not far removed from that concept where you've got two very different things going on. Somehow, it was actually okay. I wouldn't order it again, but I think I did have a couple of spoonfuls at uh, a couple of restaurants. The biggest, most spectacular uh, ice cream failure in my book that I tried when I was when I was visiting a restaurant for work doing food writing was a horseradish uh, ice cream that was served with roast beef and Yorkshire pudding and roast potatoes. So huh. basically, a roast, a, a classic roast um, uh, Sunday lunch, but with um, the chef thinking it was an idea to go ice cream on the horseradish. Gosh. And, uh, and, and it was in Singapore. And, uh, uh, you know, so, it was, I mean, okay, the restaurant was air-conditioned, but it was the day, like you're, you were describing earlier, where everyone was kind of, you know, melting outside. And um, and it was, I don't, I don't know if it was a, uh, giving a, a summer flavour. It was actually a British chef who was working in a, in a quite snazzy uh, hotel. And um, he just thought that it would bring something different. I just thought, what's the point? It was, yeah. it was, everything, everything else was brought to the table piping hot. This thing melted very quickly, and it became a uh, a liquid that kind of got got involved with the gravy. Didn't it work for me, Cruz? No, I can, I can see that this really affected <laughs> yeah. you. I did. Yeah. You're welcome yeah. to continue I, talking I, about it. We're yeah. listening. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm nearly over it. Yeah, but, you're nearly. Yeah, uh, but, but, uh, but I was thinking that satay might be an interesting. Uh, oh sauce. yeah, actually that Could makes be, sense. A little bit of peanut satay sauce, which yeah. sounds delightful. I mean, peanut butter ice cream is a is a hit, yeah. right? I mean, yeah, come on, yeah. there's not exactly. much better than that. But then, I so, mean, don't um, don't they say that with? I mean, when you make something cold, don't mm. you minimize its flavor? Yeah, right. Yes, That's do. why you ice do. cream is so full of sugar because it doesn't. And it, Compensate. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, that's, and that's more detectable, yeah, on the palate. Mm. Exactly. So yeah. maybe that's that. But then, I mean, if you've ever, you know, when you go to those really, really fancy multiple course dinners, mm. invariably somebody produces a tiny frozen thing in a glass, you know, and you're a like, what is cleanser. this? Yeah, a little palate cleanser. Yeah. I mean, is that the yeah. same? Con- I mean, sometimes I've, I've, I've dug into one of those and been... Um, yeah shocked at what what frozen thing has meant to cleanse my palate or shock what weird, it to weird flavor yeah yeah i've, yeah. I've, I've you know again the same sort of thing i'm like oh i remember having yeah. a red wine one once and i thought well, it doesn't ah. really taste like anything but um, yeah but yeah but i mean i have to i have to admire heinz's innovation in this situation right at least they're being creative and they're marketing things to uh you know whole populations who are stuck yeah, in their homes and pretty up for any kind of experimentation yeah um, oh. so yeah I- I actually, you know, they're, they're probably very savvy indeed, aren't they? Because while people are still uh, locked down or, or based at home in, in most of the UK, apart from essential uh, jobs, I think, mm. um, uh, yeah, I mean, they'll probably get some good social media feedback from people bringing those kits home, won't they? Yeah, totally. So, so, yeah, yeah. Totally. Yeah, we're, we're, we're on to them. We're on to them. Okay. No, we've, yeah. we've figured that we've seen through this. Andy, they yeah. can't. They can't get one over on us. This Definitely. isn't just a shocker. This is a clever marketing no. ploy. Right. <laughs> We've solved that. Let's move on to another topic. <laughs> <laughs> okay. In, in, in America, um, a free online culinary uh, research compendium that is so established that it predates Wikipedia 
now asking if someone can take on its future findings to keep it going. Um, I don't know if you ever came across this cruise. It's called the Food Timeline, and it's oh. a very clunky, yeah, it's a very clunky-looking uh, website that was set up by an academic, someone who was actually a librarian, um, and uh, they, uh, it, it someone who worked full-time as a librarian, and she decided to research um, uh, food from the dawn of human civilization until around 2013 or slightly after, because she passed away in 2015, um, when uh, when the last the last entries were made just before then, and uh, it's it, it, her mission was to make food history fun. She always said. Mm. Um, but nothing has uh, become of it, and the family didn't know what to do with it. And so recently, they've posted that they would like somebody to take it on because they weren't ever interested in it. She, 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 had, she was married. She had a husband and two kids. None of them are interested in taking it on, but they're very happy to pass it on to someone. So in the, it, it's recently been announced that anyone, and I hope they do get someone to take it up because it's got so much depth and so much went into it, 20 years. Um, uh, so it was a New York reference librarian called Lynn Ulver who worked on it uh, in any of her spare time that she could when she wasn't, uh, you know, spending time with the family. And uh, um, she also made this promise that uh, she would answer all questions that were written, well, it was emails to her within 48 hours. And a lot of the subject matter came from those questions that kind of drove her to do research into different areas. So, uh, um, for, no, for it's, example, it's absolutely amazing. It's yeah, um, I mean, yeah, it's, I'm just having so a look much, at it. Yeah, I mean, as you it, said, it, clunky website, but the information is phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, to explain to to the listener, then you you're, you're you're looking at it at the moment. Basically, it's a vo- it's a very long vertical line, mm-hmm. which uh, which where which will mention different uh, elements of food stuff that came in from. Uh, as, uh, as you'll be able to see, anyone who looks at it, that starts basically with water, salt, and ice, and goes up to about 2013 or so. Um, and and when, you, when you click on some of those uh, ingredients that came along um, through uh, human evolution of food, really, um, it will give you a wealth of information on every dish. Um, I, I was going to ask you a few questions, but uh, but as you're as you're looking at it, oh, no. Cruz, I can't do. No, no, can't you can ask that. me. You okay. can ask me questions. Okay. I only well, scanned well, it. I was, I was going to no, I was going to ask him. Guess which came first? But um, look at please look away from the uh, from the looking. timeline. I'm not looking. <laughs> okay. I'm not looking. Um, so so um, uh, which came first into human uh, that went uh, you know into the human diet? almonds and cherries or walnuts and apples? Oh, that's an interesting one. I feel like well, a cherry is like a. It seems like it's a genetic creation of a farmer. Hmm, so maybe yeah. it seems a bit designed. Yeah. But um, that's someone's so interesting. Going, so I think I'm going to say for, walnuts and apples came first. One point. Oh, really? Uh, that, so, so, so walnuts and apples were uh, um, were first uh, cultivated and eaten in seven thousand. And six thousand five hundred BC, no respectively. Way. Yeah, really? BC, BC. Oh my so goodness! Apples were eaten six, six and a half thousand years before Gosh. Jesus Christ. So, wow! Um, it's, yeah, um, and uh, when do you think alcohol fermenting was born? That's wine and beer. They were the first. The variations of wine and beer were the first alcoholic drinks to be fermented. Uh, 
I'm I mean, guessing it, the minute that people had a spare minute from hunting and gathering and could put some yeah, effort into it. Yes, yes, you think so. Yeah. Actually, I'll give you a clue. Not that, it, not, not that it's definitely spot on, but it's got... Think about apples. If they left a few apples that might have fermented in the corner of a cave um, uh, that had sugar content, it's around the same time as that. You know, because the Gosh. beer slash cider... Oh, sure. Uh, so so 7,000 BC. Wow. Which is... I mean, that's, that's, that's a bit of a history, isn't it? Gosh, um, absolutely. So, so basically, you go along this line, just to repeat again, folks, and, uh, and you click on the different elements, such as uh, beer, wine, apples, walnuts, and then you get a wealth of information. It's just it's really good, um, interesting background knowledge no, on everyday things that we eat. Foodtimeline.org, uh, that's the website. That's it. Food, yeah, foodtimeline.org, yeah. Okay. And um, the... Uh, uh, zooming up to date, so that, that's based in, in the US, and also, yeah, I mean, that, have a look at that, and if you fancy taking it on, they're looking for someone to, to continue it. Um, so, um, the second US-related food story, last week in the uh, Chicago Sun-Times newspaper, it was reported that uh, there's a new necklace that's been devised at a university that tracks eating patterns um, that can help uh, scientists and doctors address people's poor and perhaps declining dietary habits. So basically, Northwestern University um, in, in the Chicago area um, has designed something called NextSense, and it, uh, it basically can track what the wearer eats. And it's in the form of a decorative necklace, which uh, I think there'll be male and female versions, which, which people wouldn't necessarily know or engaged in doing this... Uh, uh, tracking of what people are eating, following body motions. Um, it's following all kinds of uh, other activities such as exercise and how much water they drink every day um, to put to piece it all together and work out when people are doing things like binge eating um, and at what time of the day they might be snacking and and uh, chewing and drinking is all is all picked up. Um, so. Motion is detected in in the in the uh, first prototype versions um, and the first versions that may be released commercially. There will also be a very tiny camera that is attached to the necklace, which picks up video of what the of what the person is uh, consuming, so that uh, so that they can be fully aware and not tell those white liars that uh, that some people might uh, pass on to their doctor or nutritionist. To better understand what's triggering an eating, uh, not disorder, but an eating habit that could be uh, honed if they want to. So I think that sounds uh, um, terrifying. It's like wearing a snitch. It's like yeah. you can yeah. imagine someone wearing that necklace and then finding very creative ways to get around someone realizing yeah. that they're that, that, you know, eating without the hands, lying on their side to eat, eating upside down. <laughs> You'd do anything, wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, around, around the corner. I, I, I mean, pro- probably putting a, uh, a snack on the other side of a skirting board and then <laughs> pre- pretending yeah. to do some uh, sit-ups and then kind of, you know head and neck around the corner into the next door of the of the next room where the exactly. snack is. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I think yeah. you've got a yeah. career in a future YouTube um, workarounds yeah. for this yeah. particular item yeah. then yeah. there, but Andy. <laughs> tr- tr- trouble is, though, um, if you've got sensors that are picking up chewing and so on, you'd have to then, what, get, to, get some sort of liquidized snack. 
yeah. in, a, in, a, in a cup around the corner <laughs> and drink it. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. You wouldn't yeah. even have your Heinz mayonnaise ice cream. You'd have to wait for it and drink it. You, you would. Even... Wait, for, wait, for, wait, wait for that mayonnaise ice cream to melt. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Right. Well, um, I, I'll move on to, uh, to something else here, a, a global uh, company, very central all over the world, one of the biggest alcoholic drinks companies, Diageo, they represent a lot of wines and uh, spirits. They have just released a uh, what is said to be the first paper bottle uh, for, a, for an alcoholic drink uh, for Johnny Walker whiskey. Wow, um, paper bottle. Yeah. A paper bottle yeah. for whiskey. May, yeah. Yes, it's pulped. To, um, it's, it's pulped to be uh, sustainable uh, wood is used to pulp it into paper. It's fully recyclable, and they say it's the first plastic-free paper bottle because a few years ago, Carlsberg, uh, in 2015, the Danish beer brewer, uh, worked on the first paper beer bottle, but that had a, uh, an inner uh, polymer, which is basically plastic, film barrier. So they, they're kind of, you know, they're detached. Into paper bottle, plastic film, which means that it shouldn't really have been recycled. But this Johnny Walker bottle is, uh, has, has used spray pulp in a way that makes it uh, watertight. Oh, fantastic. Oh, that's really fascinating. I was just going to say, if you have like a, a pulped beer bottle, I feel like that would affect its, its coolness, right? Could you cool, you know, there's something about yeah. like a cold, yeah. a cold a, bottle. A, a, Yes, a cold hard surface, which probably yeah you think would retain it. Uh, I'm not yeah I'm not sure about the uh, on the uh, on the on Carlsberg and how they're progressing, but for the whiskey, doesn't matter. Doesn't so, matter. Doesn't matter. You know, Great. I'm I, I'm, uh, I'm aware. We're probably out of time there, are we? Or? We are. We're right okay. out of time right now. But um, thank yeah. you so much, um, Andy Andrew Dembina for our Tuesday feature. Um, I'm going to think about ketchup ice cream while we go to the news with Anne Marie <laughs> Evans. Until next time.